If you would stand with me as we read from the book of Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 2 to verse 6. When you got it, say so. And it says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, to which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Lord God, thank you so, so very much for your word that is true. Thank you so much for being with us in this place today as we have worshiped and we've adored your name. Thank you, God, for the privilege that it is to be before your word. And we pray that you would speak to us, God, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church and that we would not just hear, but that we would obey, God. I pray that you be glorified in these next few moments together, Lord, as I share your word. I pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so again, if you don't have an outline, just put your hand up. We want to make sure that you get an outline so that way you are able to follow along in the introduction, answer some questions. And as always, a reminder, you are a disciple of Jesus. If Jesus is your Lord, if Jesus is your Savior, if you would call yourself a Christian, then you're a disciple of Jesus. And as a disciple of Jesus, you are called to make disciples. In other words, you're supposed to help others grow in their faith. Right, You're supposed to help others come to a better understanding of God's word. You're supposed to help them come to a better understanding of who they are in Christ and also to a better understanding of what they are called to do as believers in Jesus. And so one of the ways that you can help someone grow in their faith is simply sitting down with them. You don't have to get all preachy, right? You don't have to know the Greek and the Hebrew and all that kind of stuff. You ain't even got to know a memory verse. Hello. Uh huh. You can still make a disciple even if you haven't memorized the verse, right? And so ultimately, what you what you do is you just sit down with them and just share with them what you heard on Sunday, right? Just walk with them through the scriptures, and and also the outlines are so important for me because it's not just a tool for you to help someone else grow in their faith, but there are some introspective questions. They're like, "What do you believe God was speaking to you today?" So when you sit there today, it's really important to me that you hear not just what I am saying, but that you hear what God is speaking to you. How is it that God is challenging your life? What is it that God is communicating? And that way you can also answer the next question there, which is, and how are you going to apply that? What are you going to do about what God said? Because you know what? It is to no avail that God speaks to you and you don't respond, right? The Bible tells in the book of James that we should not just be hearers of God's word, but we should be doers of God's word. And so today, as we are coming toward the end of our series in the book of Colossians, it's all about Jesus. I'm going to speak from the topic of being prayerful. Um, if you look at your outline there, recently, during tragedies, whether mass shootings, terrorist attacks, or even a comedian challenging comments on social media posts that stated, praying, we have seen some in our culture minimize and even reject the necessity of prayer. And so you've heard of people that said, save your prayers, right? Don't, don't pray for us. And, and I get it, right? Like we want, I mean, I feel like this is true. We don't just want people to only pray for us, but we want people to do something, right? We want people to act. And so again, it's, it's that same thing that goes in the book of James, that our work, that our faith without works is dead. And so obviously, if I am telling you that I am praying for you and yet I can actually do something for you, that is problematic. And so I would agree with that. Nonetheless, 
it's disrespectful. And really what it is is that you really don't understand the power of prayer. And that's the reason why you would say, don't pray for us. Save your prayers. And the comedian that I'm referencing, it was a video that one of my buddies posted. And it was basically communicating, you know, how a lot of times people will post something about a situation, whether it's a loved one that is sick, whether it's someone who has passed away, uh, you know, some kind of tragic situation in their lives. And then sometimes people will respond, and maybe you have done this, and you've responded praying. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, this comedian decided, he said, you know, people that say praying, they just want attention for themselves. And I felt like, man, I don't know if that's always true. I think in some cases it may be true, right? There may be some scenarios that someone is just saying praying, but, you know, to get attention and not even um, consciously, I think that would be more subconscious. But I really believe that there's some people, I mean, I know whenever I would post that, or if, I, if I ever respond to someone, scenario like that, first of all, I'm assuming that you're posting this on social media because you would like a response, right? So you would want somebody to actually respond to what you're saying there and say, hey, maybe I'll give you some words of encouragement, but I want you to know that I am praying for you. And so so for me, you know, I made sure that I commented on the post and was like, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily always true. And nonetheless, we have to recognize something. I think this is so, so very important. And here this church, as the church, we must realize that our ability to accomplish God's will mandates that we be a prayerful people. Hear me when I say that. As the church, we must realize that our ability to accomplish God's will mandates that we be a people of prayer. The one thing that I can confess to you right now is that when we're talking about God's will, right, when we're talking about God's purposes, I'm not just talking about, um, you know, what some people would consider big things, right? Like, I'm not just talking about, you know, evangelistic crusades. I'm not just talking about stuff that you would consider that are big, you know, God God's will for our lives is for us to be the type of husbands, the type of wives, the type of parents, the type of children, the type of students, the type of employees and employers, the type of neighbors that God would want us to be. Is it not? That is what God's will is. And what I can tell you confessionally is that if I am not praying, and my wife can attest to this, she will give me an amen. She's not sitting in here right now, but I'll give her a second chance and second service. But the reality is this. She will let you know that if I'm not bringing a prayerful man, I'm not that good of a husband. Hello, somebody. All right? My daughter can attest to this. Again, she's not here, but she'll let you know that I'm not the best dad when I'm not prayerful. And I recognize it, that when I'm not a person that is walking in prayer, a person who is living a prayerful life, I recognize the different Jason that is there when I am in prayer and the Jason that is there when I'm not in prayer, right? And so what I realize is that this message to me hits home because I realize that for me to fulfill God's will, I need to be prayerful. And what I also recognize is that not just being a husband or being a father or being a neighbor, but what about being a person who is reaching others with the gospel? If I am not a person that is prayerful, if I am not a person who is in prayer praying for people, you know what? My words can fall upon deaf ears. But when I am a person who is in prayer and seeking the face of the Lord, I don't have to come with all kinds of wisdom. You know why? Because God will penetrate the hearts of men simply because I am not depending on on my ability. I'm not depending on my wit. I'm not depending on my knowledge in order to bring change to someone's life. I'm depending on the very power of God, which is what brings change to lives. And so today what we're looking at as the Apostle Paul is communicating to us here in the book of Colossians as he's talking to the church of Colossae, what I want to say is this, and I want you to think about this, who we speak to most will determine who we speak for most. 
Who we speak to most will determine who we speak for most. And what I want you to grasp in this is I want you to get this. I want you to realize that what I'm saying here is when we're talking about speaking most, when I'm saying who we speak to most, right, we're talking about God. If I'm speaking to God most, then I'm going to speak for him most. I'm not just talking about words because I think that we all know the statement, right, actions speak louder than words. And so when I'm talking about us speaking or our speech, our body language, right, the way that we communicate our actions, the things that we are saying and doing, those things I'm going to speak most when it, when I'm about or who I am speaking to most. That's who I'm going to speak for most. And so again, it's a, an example that I just gave you about myself. When I am speaking with the Lord most, then I'm going to speak for most as a father. When I'm speaking to the Lord most, I'm going to speak most for the Lord as a husband. When I'm speaking to the Lord most, I'm going to speak most for him as a neighbor. But when I'm not doing that, when I'm speaking to other people or I'm allowing other people or other things that are not aligning with God to speak into my life, then you know what happens? I start speaking for them. I start being their voice instead of being the voice of truth. I'll give you an example. I was going to use this one last week as we were talking about the employer-employee relationship, but I can use it here today. And I remember the, the last job that I had prior to me coming to, to, to becoming full-time in the church, um, I was there. It was a crew of like four guys who used to deliver washers and dryers, and and as part of this crew, I was the only guy that was a Christian in this crew. And we had a supervisor that was not the best supervisor ever, right? He would do you know some crazy stuff. You know, you've had those supervisors, um, you know, where they're just not the best. They're frustrating. They say things to you, and um, you know. So anyway, as as any good crew, right? We used to sit down in the morning as we were preparing our day, and we would talk and we would have conversations. And as we were having these conversations, the crew would start to. Express, you know, feelings that they had about our supervisor. And I'm like, you know, I'm the kind of guy, I feel like this. I feel like if, if I have an issue with you, right, then I would, you know, I'm going to talk to you. I just feel that way. Like, I feel like if you have an issue with me, you should come and talk to me. It's just the manly thing to do, right? Like, that's what men do. You know, women do that. You know, just let's have a conversation. Well, nonetheless, I listened to my friends and I was talking to my crew, you know, crew team and, you know, we would have some conversations and suddenly, instead of me representing Jesus in these moments, I became their voice. And, and it wasn't the best voice because, you know, I missed some prayer time. Hello, somebody. Right. And then in those missing those prayer times, my my character wasn't the best. Right. I wasn't the most humble. I wasn't the most godly in those scenarios. And and so it ended up being a situation that became very tense and very um, difficult to manage and navigate because of what? Because I was speaking more to them about my supervisor than I was speaking to God about my supervisor. See, if I would have been speaking to God more about my supervisor, you know what I would have done? I would have had a different way of seeing them. It's the same thing with us in life, right? In any area of our lives, if I am speaking to God about my spouse, then you know what's going to happen? I'm going to start to see them from the viewpoint and the vantage point of where God wants me to see them. The same thing for parents, the same thing for employees, the same thing for neighbors. You know, we can get all caught up in our feelings and our emotions and all that kind of stuff, and we can be overwhelmed by that, and all of us sudden we begin to treat people a certain way we begin to act a certain way because of what because we're not speaking to the one that we need to speak to 
because we're not spending enough time in the presence of God, communing with him, communicating with him, and in the process, him communicating to us and showing us his heart for that person or that situation that we're dealing with. And so again, who we speak to most will determine who we speak for most. And so the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this, say a prayerful life is intentional. A prayerful life is intentional. Let's look at verses 2 through 4. Let's see what Paul says here. He says in verse 2, he says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So it gives us three things there. We're going to unpack those in a moment. And he says, meanwhile, or at the same time as you are being um, earnest, as you are being vigilant, as you are being thankful, right, as you're doing that, pray also for us. And so he gives us some directive as to how we ought to pray. And then he shows how you should pray for others, that God would open to us a door for the word, uh, for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And so the apostle Paul, he uses such beautiful terminology here and some things that he says, he's like, this is how I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me that God would open up the opportunity for the gospel, that God would open up the opportunity for the word of God. And he points out, I'm in chains because of this. And so I love the way that Paul expresses this because he's saying to us, he's saying to them, he say, listen, y'all know that I'm locked up. And literally when he's saying I'm in chains, he is literally in chains. And literally he is chained next to a prison guard. That's the way prison was. And so he is in chains. And you know what he's hoping for? He's hoping for the opportunity to share the gospel with everyone that he comes in contact with. Even this guard that he's there um, chained to, he is wanting to have an open door and opportunity. And so we ask them to pray for them. And so I say this as you think about your prayer life and you think about things to pray for. You know, pray for me, right? When you pray for me, pray that God would open up the door for me to share God's word clearly. Pray for me that God would use me to speak his word the way that he wills, the way that he desires, that I would be faithful to communicate the truth of God's word. When you pray for the other leaders, pray for them that God would use them. When you pray for one another, pray for them that God would use them to share the word of God. But he gives us a few things here and he shares with us these three things. So a prayerful life, what I said was this, and we said this together, prayerful life is intentional, right? And so in other words, a, prayer, a prayerful life will not just happen. Hello, somebody. It, will, it must be cultivated and it must be guarded, right? It has to be cultivated, and it has to be guarded. It's not just something that you develop, right, and then all of a sudden, it's just going to stay beautiful. It's like a garden, right? You go ahead, and you plant some trees. You plant, you know, you do something really nice, and you know what's going to happen to that? It's going to start to grow. It's going to start to look beautiful, but then all of a sudden, you're going to start to notice around there, there's going to be some weeds that are going to start to grow up, and if you don't take care of that area, if you don't guard that area, if you don't treat it uh, the right way, then you know what begins to happen? That beautiful garden will be overrun by what? By the weeds, by the things that start to grow around it and will potentially choke out the life of that beautiful thing that was cultivated initially. And so for us, when we think about our prayer life, it's the same thing. This will only happen when we realize its value. See, I will only go ahead and I will cultivate a prayer life when I recognize its value. I'll only guard it when I recognize its value. Again, we talked about it earlier. Some people don't value prayer. And even for some of us as believers, we don't value prayer. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest dangers in life is desired success without a devotion to prayer. 
One of the greatest dangers in life is desired success without devotion to prayer. Let me, let, 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 let me give you some examples. It's kind of like being a person who is naturally, who is born with natural abilities, like for sports and stuff like that. And they just go and they get on a basketball court, you know, 16 years old, dunking a basketball. You know, they seem to have some handles. And so, you know, it's like they, they, didn't, they didn't have to work for that. It's just something that came to them naturally as opposed to the other guy who's 16 years old and he ain't dunking a basketball basketball he can't dribble like that and so there, there's there's something there that they will not appreciate as much as that person who put in hours and put in time in order to get to that place it's like that person my daughter was telling me about this um young man she said this young man he showed up he, he was taking some ap classes or something like that and this guy was so smart he didn't attend any of the classes all right none of the classes did he attend and so i'm, I'm assuming i mean because you know you, you you can be smart but you can't just be that smart right where you don't read a book so I'm assuming, right, I'm going to assume that he at minimum read the material. But then he showed up for the test and he aced all these tests, right? His sister, on the other hand, anyway, we'll just say not like him, right? Right? Totally different scenario, right? His sister, his sister was joking and she's like, listen, I'm in a class right now that's for special math. Hello, somebody, right? She's like, and she, I'm, I'm not even going to get into the people that she explained. There. Nonetheless, again, she's not going into an AP class and just taking a test. She needs some extra assistance. And you know what? When she goes ahead and she sits down and does homework, it's like, wow, man, I really got to get in here. I really got to spend hours. This is difficult. Take some tutoring for me to have those kind of grades. And it's the same thing in our lives when we have success but we never pray you know it's like that amazing musician right or that singer that they just show. I remember there was one lady she used to come here a long time ago I love her to death um, but she would come and she could sing I could hear in the back I mean she had some serious lungs and you know beautiful voice and she's recorded artists and she was always like I want to sing with the choir and I'm like yeah, okay that's no problem I said we practice on Thursdays right it's like oh yeah I don't know if I can make that and you know so I, all that kind of stuff and then one day you know she's like hey you know I, will, I really want to sing with the choir I'm like yeah we practice on Thursdays she's like you know you know, with other churches that I've been to, I could just show up and sing because, you know, I can get the harmonies released. I'm like, yeah, that's not this church. The point is, it's like, hey, there's a price that everyone else is paying, right? Like everyone else is here for a couple of hours on Thursday. Everyone else is here throughout the week, you know, practicing, learning stuff. And you're just going to jump up here and be like, hey, let me hit that note. No, 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 no. That's not how we get down, right? We, we appreciate the efforts, right? We, we appreciate the, the, what it takes to get there. And, and, and our lives as believers, please know this. Our lives as believers should be marked by prayerfulness. When you look at the successes in your life, you should be able to look back and say, man, you know what? It wasn't because I was so smart. It wasn't because I was so great. It wasn't because I was so awesome. It is because I sought God and pursued God and God graciously and mercifully has allowed me to be successful. And let me say it like this. If you have a life that is marked by you and not by God, there's a problem. If you have a life that is marked by your abilities and your wisdom and your knowledge and just your hard work and there is no where is God in your story, then I got to say, man, are you really a prayerful person? And so Paul tells us that we, have to, that, that we have to do some things in prayer. He says to continue earnestly in prayer. He says to be vigilant in prayer. And he says to have thanksgiving. And so these three commitments must mark our lives. If we are going to be those who are cultivating a prayer life, it has to be a life that is marked by these things. And so I'm going to go to the last one first, which is thankfulness. It, 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 is, it is to me the, the foundation of our prayer life is a thankfulness. We have to be thankful for what God 
God has done, right? We have to be thankful for who God is. We have to be thankful even for the difficulties that we face in life. We have to be thankful because if we're not thankful, we're going to be bitter. Are you here? If we are not thankful to the Lord, we're going to be bitter. We're not going to want to pray. If we don't cultivate a thankfulness in our hearts, then we are not going to come before God. It's like, look, it, it's like parents, right? If, if when, when our children, and even us as we were growing up, right, there are moments in our lives we couldn't wait to leave our home, right? There are moments in our lives we couldn't wait to get out of our homes. And in some cases, you're going to be like, well, I'm happy I'm out. Okay, that's fine. But in most other cases, you know what happens? When we come back, we're like, man, I should never left, Right? When we, when, 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 we, when we come back, we're like, man, you know, we, we, we realize what knuckleheads we were, and we're like, yo, ma, yo, pop, I, I just want to say this. I am so sorry, right? Especially, it usually hits maybe not like right away. Sometimes it hits right away depending on how hard you hit. But you know what happens? When you start to have kids of your own, amen, right? When you start to have to pay your own bills on a large level, you start seeing the kind of sacrifices you're making to make sure your kids have. And, and all, all of a sudden, you're like, man, I, I'm so sorry. Right? Like, I'm so sorry. Because, and it, but here's what happened. What, what, how, how do kids act, right? And so if you're, you're, you know, you're younger in here, don't be acting like this. But, you know, you don't, you don't want to be around your parents, right? You want to act like you don't want to talk to them. You have a little attitude and stuff like that. It's because of what? Because you're not thankful. Because you're not grateful, because you're like, man, I don't appreciate what my parents have done for me, right? And so it's the same thing in your relationship with God. When you are not grateful, right, when you're not thankful for what he's done, you don't want to be in his presence. So you're not going to seek him. And then you're definitely not going to cultivate these other couple of things, right? So what are these other things that we have here? So the first one is this. It says to continue earnestly. That's really one word in the Greek, right? To continue earnestly. Let me break down what this word means. It means to give constant attention to a thing, right? It means to give unremitting care to a thing. It means to persevere. It means to wait continually upon. It means to be in constant readiness for, right? I'll read that again for those of you that are taking notes, and I'm gonna, I, I don't pretend you're going to write it all down, but it means to give constant attention to a thing. And so he's like, be earnest, right? Give constant attention to this particular thing. Be earnest in prayer. Give constant attention to prayer. Not something that's a second, that, that's an afterthought or, or something that you think about later on but think about this be constant in this to give unremitting care to a thing right be constant in prayer. be unremitting in your prayer time right in your time with the Lord to persevere right not just come in there once in a while right but to persevere to continue in it to wait continually upon this prayer right to be in constant readiness for prayer right to continue earnestly so be thankful, that's, that, that's, that, that's the foundation, right? It's got to be foundational. But also be ready at all times, right? Make this a constant thing in your life. Not something you do once in a while. Not something you only do over meals, right? That's good to practice, but something that you do, that you are constantly prepared for, that you recognize, man, this is my life. And then he goes on and he says, not just to be constant, like to be prepared for that, but it is the next word, to be vigilant, right? Because there's, it's, it's not just being ready to do this, but it's how do we do this? How do I engage in prayer? Do I come into prayer half, you know, half asleep, right? And I know some of you, right, you started the 30 for 30 challenge last week, right? Right, 30 days and 30 minutes, right? That's what we talked about last week. But here's the thing. I talked about, you know, going and, you know, bring your cup of coffee with you because some of you, you're going to be asleep trying to pray if you don't have coffee, right? And so, you know, coffee is heaven's nectar, amen, right, to wake you up. <laughs> 
right? So, uh, so, so, so go on ahead, right? Be in, 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 that, in that time of prayer. But you got to be vigilant, right? You, can, you can't be falling asleep. You know, one writer said this. He said, long time in prayer causes people to become apathetic. And I was like, hmm, but it's true. You sit there and like, I'm going to spend an hour in prayer, right? So the first 10 minutes, amazing, right? The next 50 minutes, what are you doing? You're like, you're chasing your thoughts, right? Because you're like all over the place, right? You know, and as time grows, 15 minutes. And, and so that's why I told you, you know, start with 30, right? Don't, don't jump right into the hour. You can pray for 30 minutes. And, and once you start to get your mind right, you start, but it's about, but you know what that is? It's about being vigilant. It's about not letting your mind run to the to-do list that you have. It's about not letting your mind run to the problem that you're facing. It's about not letting your mind run to the situation that you're trying to deal with, but trusting, wait a second, this is God's time. I have to be vigilant. I have to watch because you know what the enemy wants? The enemy wants to distract you no matter what, especially when it comes to prayer, right? You ever notice like when you decide you're going to be holy and you're going to pray, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're fasting or something like that, that's the day that everybody wants to take you to lunch, that's the day that everybody brings in donuts and your favorite snack drink. That's the day that someone's like, hey, man, I got an extra coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. Here you go, right? It's like that day, right? And, I mean, what is that? Those, that's the devil. You need to be like, yo, that is the devil right there. No, I'm just kidding, right? Somebody's like, hey, can I take you to lunch? That is the devil right there, right? Like, yo, I was just trying to go to lunch with you and learn what you learned on Sunday. That's the devil, bro, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, 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 but realistically, what does the enemy want to do? He wants to distract you. He wants to get your mind off of what you should be focused on. And so we have to be vigilant, right? And this is what the word vigilant means. It means to give strict attention to. So the first one is to give constant attention to. But this one is to give strict attention to, to be active, right? To take heed. Now listen to this. Less through uh, reminiscence, right? Um, a remissness and an indolence, some destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. Listen to that. To take heed, less remissness and indolence uh, and some destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. And so what happens is you have to be a person who is not just constantly ready to pray, but you have to be watchful in your prayers watching for how the enemy is trying to come against your life. Watchful for how the enemy is trying to come against your family. Watchful for how the enemy is trying to deceive your heart, right? Being watchful and recognizing, wait a second, I can't just come into prayer and just like, oh, whatever. Hold on a second. I come before God with thanksgiving. I come before God constantly, but I also come with a vigilance and I recognize that there is a battle going on. There is a war that is waging against my life, against my family. And when I am in prayer, that is the place where the battle is won or lost. See, what a lot of people don't realize is they think that the battle will happen and was won when they went into the office and had the meeting. No, they think the battle was won when they had the conversation. No, they think the battle was won when they laid down the law. No, the battle was won way before you ever entered into that situation. It is when you were in the presence of God. It was in that place, and that's why it's so important that we are vigilant in our prayer times. And so, again, we will only understand this. We will only continue in prayer when we recognize the imperative of prayer for the fulfillment of the mission. Here's the thing. Prayer must become mission critical. It has to be something that is mission critical if we're going to engage in it consistently. 
If we're going to engage in it vigilantly. See, some of us, we've thrown our prayer lives out the door. You know why? I'm going to tell you why, and this is sad to say. Some of you do that because you don't want to hear God. Because you don't want to obey God. Because you don't want to hear from God anymore. You want to do things your way. You want to do, you've made your decisions. And so, hey, that's on you. But I'm telling you, you have to decide whose way do you want, yours or God's. Do you want God's will or your will? Whose will do you want? Because I know that, I know this much. I know where God's will leads. It's not always the easy path, but it's the right path. But some of us, we've thrown the way. Others of us, we've thrown away our prayer lives, not because we don't necessarily want to hear God's will. It's because we don't see how important prayer is. We don't think it really matters. We don't see the difference that it's making in our lives. We don't, and listen, I can tell you something. I know this much. I know that I'm standing here today because of the prayers of my mom and my grandmother. And the prayers of a church and a lot of the people I didn't even know. But I'm here today because of that. And can I tell you something? There was a long time in my life, I assure you, looking at me, you know what happened? They would have been like, them prayers ain't working. I'm just saying. Like, they would have really said that. They would have been like, you praying for that boy? I don't know. You need to pray harder. You better go into fast and you better do something like because your prayers are not working, right? And sometimes we feel that way, right? And, and so we just, you know what? I'm not going to pray. It, it's, it's not going to make a difference, right? So, we, so in some cases, we don't want to hear from God. In other cases, we just don't see the importance of prayer. We don't see how important it is, but we have to get to that place that we understand that prayer is mission critical. Second thing, we, I want you to repeat after me is this. A prayer, a prayer for life walks differently. A prayer for life walks differently. So it's not just, okay, so the battle was won in prayer. Now I got to walk it out, right? So what does Paul say? He says in verse 5, he says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. So what is he saying to us here? He's telling us here that our prayer life should affect the way we live. When he talks about that word walking, and you've heard this definition before, but it means to order one's behavior. Whenever the Bible, whenever it's talking about walk worthy of the calling, or, you know, Paul is saying to walk, he's talking about order your behavior. Look at the way you live. Look at how you live your life. Look at everything you do. But he gives a specific caveat here because he says what? Towards those who are outside. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, you need to look at your life and understand that you're not just here for yourself. You're there for those on the outside. Walk in a way that is wise with those who are outside. How we walk around those outside of us. When we get around those who don't know Jesus, when we get around those who don't love Jesus, how do we walk? Do we change the way we walk? I'll give you an example. So when, it, when I'm in certain neighborhoods, right, I walk a certain way. Right? Like, there's certain neighborhoods that I just walk, I'm casual, right? I'm not really, I'm paying attention, but I'm not really paying attention. But then there are other neighborhoods that I walk into, and my face changes, right? My, my, whole, my whole demeanor changes. It's a different walk, right? Because of what? Because I know where I just walked into, and I got to protect somebody. Hello. And, if, and, and it's an even worse situation if I'm walking with my family because I really got to look mean, right? Because it's like, okay, just don't even come in this direction. I'm just being honest, right? Because I trust Jesus, but he also called me to protect. Hello. Right? But, but here's what I'm going to say. I walk into those environments. I don't pick trouble, right? I'm still going to be godly in scenarios, but I'm going to be real vigilant. I'm going to pay attention. But here's what I want you to think about. When you walk in your daily life, your daily walk, do you change to be like those around you, or are you living for the glory of God at all times? 
When you walk into and when you walk into work tomorrow, how are you going to live with those who are outside? When you're dealing with unsafe family members, how are you are you walking wisely, redeeming the time, or are you just trying to engage with them, enjoying the same stuff they're enjoying? In conversations, when they're having conversations and they're talking about stuff, are you trying to act like you don't have any standards or are you raising the standard? I'm just saying. Like, when they crack those jokes, you know you shouldn't be laughing at, right? How do you deal with that? How do you, how do you address that? How do you address those conversations? Man, you know you shouldn't be having those conversations. How do we do with those things? Well, Paul tells us what? He says that we are supposed to, we are supposed to walk a certain way with unbelievers. You can write this scripture down, James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18, because he said to walk wisely, right? Especially with those who are outside. And so James chapter 3, it tells us of, of two different types of wisdom. The wisdom that is from above and the wisdom that is from this earth. Question is, which wisdom are you walking in? Are you walking in the wisdom that originates in the earth or are you walking in the wisdom that God gives us? And he says this, he says this, he says, redeeming the time. And I love this because that word there, there's two Greek words in general that deal with time. It is one that is called chronos, which is just general time, right? The time of day. But then there is another one called kairos. And that word kairos, that means a specific time, a specific season, a specific moment. And you know what that tells me? Is that Paul is saying you need to be prepared for those moments of redemption that come across your way. While you're laughing. Laughing at those jokes, those could be moments of redemption. While you're engaging in those conversations, those could be moments of redemption. While you are participating in certain activities, those could be moments of redemption. And so the question is, are you walking in the wisdom of God or are you walking in the wisdom of men? Are you redeeming the time or are you wasting time? See, here's the reason why Paul or Peter, he tells us that you need to be ready in and out of season. You know why? Because you don't know when the moment's going to come. You don't know when that friend of yours is going to need to hear the gospel, but you're so busy laughing at their foul jokes. You're so busy having fun. You're so busy wasting time. You're missing those kairos moments. God wants to use, I don't know if you know this, God wants to use us in order to bring the power of redemption into lives. But if we are not a prayerful people, we're going to miss those moments. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this, a prayerful life, prayerful life. talks differently. So we talked about the jokes, but look at what Paul says specifically. He says, let your speech always be with grace. Season with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Let your speech, let your words, let the way that you communicate always be with grace. So there's a graciousness, right? And I told you earlier, right, and my wife is now here. She can say amen to this when I tell you this. But when I am not prayerful, right, my speech is not so gracious. Amen. I told you. Right? My, my speech is not so gracious, right? It's not so nice, right? It's not so well-intended, right? Just keeping it real, right? I'm going to repent right with you right after I'm done preaching. <laughs> Again, because I repented plenty during the preaching or during the preparation time. 
But here's the truth. The truth is our speech is supposed to be gracious, right? Filled with grace and seasoned with salt. I love this. And looking at some of the different commentators and some of the things that they communicated, right? He say, he, some of them talked about the salt and how salt, you know, is, is, a, is, is something that adds flavor, right? And so they talked about our speech being flavorful. Flavorful, not colorful. Hello. The difference, right? <clears throat> flavorful, not colorful, right? Our speech, what does salt do? Salt creates thirst, does it not? Right? When, you know, for, for those of you, I know none of you go to bars, but whenever you go to a bar, right, you'll notice that they have something salty on the bar. Why? So because they're so nice and they just want you to have a little snack. No. It's because they want you to be thirsty. They want you to sit there and start eating those peanuts. And man, I'm thirsty. I got to, can I have another? You know, that's what they want. That's the whole point. They want to make you, right? And so, you know, one guy said to me one time, he said, you know, you can't lead a horse to water. And he said, but you can salt their oats. Hey, you heard that saying before, right? You can't lead a horse. You know, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's the idea, right? I said that wrong, but anyway, this was not. So you got it, right? But you can salt his oats. You can make him thirsty. And so as believers, you can't make anybody come to Jesus, but you can live a life in such a way that creates a thirst in them. You can communicate in conversations in a certain way that makes them thirst for the righteousness that you have. At minimum, they don't even know what they're thirsting for, but it awakes something inside of them, right? It, it, it's the way that we live, right? The way that we communicate. It's making sure that our speech is gracious, but that it is also seasoned with salt. And so again, what does your talk say about your faith? What does your talk say about your faith? What does it communicate about what you really believe? And the closing question and thought that I have, what are or who are you speaking for most, right? Who you speak to most will determine who you speak for most. And so my question is, who do you speak for most, right? In your talk, in your speech, in your way of living, right? Are you spending that time with God in prayer? If you say, if we say our talk or our walk don't really reflect Christ, then I would have to ask you, are you really prayerful, right? Because we can always say, hey, man, do you pray? And you say, yeah, I pray. But listen, I don't need to ask you if you pray. I just need to look at the way you talk. I need to look at the way you live, and I can tell if you pray or not. And not just if you pray, but if you're praying to God in a manner that is aligning with God's word, right? Because the, the bottom line is, it's not just about talking, right? It's about talking to the right God. So if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, today is the opportunity for you, right? To humble your heart before God, to recognize the truth that the gospel communicates that we are all born into sin, that we are all separated from God, that we can do nothing to make ourselves right with God, that Jesus died in order to bring us back into a relationship so that way we could actually pray, we could actually talk to God, not because of our own righteousness, but because of his, that we can trust in the gospel. So if you don't know Jesus, God wants to give you a new identity. He wants to engage you in a new relationship, but that is determined upon what you say to Jesus, yes or no? Do you call upon him? Do you put your faith in him? Do you turn from your sin? Do you trust him today if you don't know him is the opportunity? And if you're in here and you know Jesus, right, then here's the thing that I say. Last week we talked about that 30 to the 30 challenge, right? 30 minutes a day, all right, for, with God and his word in prayer. And for 30 days you could develop this habit. And so here's the thing. Did you start that? 
Right? If you didn't start that, then I encourage you to start it. If you did start it, let me help you go a little bit further. Right? What I'm going to challenge you to do is I'm going to challenge you to go on ahead and start to look in the Bible and see every place where there was a prayer prayed or there was an admonition for prayer. Begin to make a journal. Begin to list what are the things that should be prayed. Right? What are the things that should be communicated? Because the Bible says either A, someone prayed this way, or B, God says we should pray this way, and then you start praying like that. Because here's the beauty of this. The beauty of this is that when you and I are living a prayerful life, you know what happens? We begin to walk in the wisdom of God. We begin to redeem the time. Our speech begins to reflect the grace of God. Our speech begins to reflect that salt that God wants us to. It becomes worship unto God. And then all of a sudden, we begin to make great impact in the lives of others. But here's the warning. The warning is that a prayerful life can act, a person who has a prayerless life, your impact and your fulfillment of God's mission may be minimal and even more sadly it can actually be detrimental because when we're not praying you want to know what happens then we're operating in the flesh and when we're operating in the flesh no matter what we call ourselves we're hurting people not helping people so I don't know about you but I want to be helpful amen so I stand together let's pray Lord thank you so very much for this day thank you so very much for the privilege to be with my brothers and my sisters and I pray spirit of the Lord that your power, that your presence would permeate our hearts, that you would bring change to our lives, that you would bring transformation to us, and that you, Heavenly Father, would align us with your will, with your wisdom, that you would align us with your purposes, God. I come against every plan of the enemy to hinder the prayer lives of my brothers and sisters. And I pray today for anyone in here who uh, may have made a commitment to you or needs to come to you, Lord God, and trust you with their lives. I pray that they would turn from their sin today, that they would trust you as their Savior, and that they would begin a new and fresh walk with you. And for those of us that may be struggling with our prayer lives, God, give us repentance, remove the excuses, strengthen us to obey and honor you. We pray all these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Good morning, Corfe Church.